this series that we are beginning and just began last Sunday, I'm talking about the toxicity that builds up within us that can cause sometimes God's purposes for our lives to be hindered and hurt, his plans, cause us not to reach the fullness of our potential. And uh, today I want to talk about toxic thoughts, all right, how to flush the junk for good. Your thoughts are very, very powerful. And I'm going to show you some things here clearly in just a moment that I think are going to help you understand your thoughts are more powerful than any of us possibly have ever realized. Um, I'm reading today from Proverbs chapter number 4, verse 23, above all else, say this with me, above all, what does that have to do with? Let's just think this through. That's priorities, right? How many of you have learned that you don't get anywhere in life without priorities? Nowhere. Some things must mean more to you than others. You must have passion about some things. And God is literally telling us if you have passion about anything, it's this, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. And I shared with you what one translation said, the New King James, I believe it was. It said that out of it springs everything. The picture here is that you can't keep it contained. It's going to find its way out. And I want us to pray right now. I want us to approach God today and open our hearts to the will of the Holy Spirit. And that is simply because of the fact that, that when you start talking about something as fundamental as the way we think, you're getting down to where we live. And I'm not sure... And in fact, I'm quite convinced that most of us do not really make connections between what we experience and what we think. Most of us think that the experiences lead to the thinking when actually the opposite of that is really true. Somewhere along the, the way, the old question, which comes first, the chicken or the egg, in thinking becomes an important question if you're going to be everything God called you to be. And so today, Father, I ask you to help us to bend our will and our minds and our thoughts to be submitted to those of, of God. Take control in this service this evening. Help us to be everything, all things you have called us to be, that we might be a representation of, of all that the body of Christ was meant to be in the earth that we can live the elevated life, take authority over our lives, our thoughts, and move into completion and wholeness and fullness, I ask in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. How to flush the junk for good. I'm not just talking about feel good for two or three weeks and go back into the same rut. How to get rid of it for good. I want to say again, your thoughts have an amazing impact on your life. Amazing. And on your world. Your thoughts actually end up determining your actions and, get this, your emotions. It's not what happens to you. It's what happens to what happens to you. Just forgive the joke, okay? A young man with identity problems walked into a dentist office and said, Can you help me? I think I'm a moth. Talking about how your thoughts affect you. And what you do, I think I'm a moth. And the dentist said, you don't need a, a dentist, you need a psychiatrist. And the young man said, yes, I know. And the dentist asked, well, why did you come in here? And the young man said, well, the light was on. 
Moths attracted to light. Come on, think. When your thoughts are not right, you're attracted to the wrong things. You don't go where you need to go. Your actions are determined by your thinking processes. John 1, chapter 1, verse 1. I've quoted this before. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And verse 14, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the only are the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. King James says the Word became flesh. NIV says the same thing. The Word became flesh. I've pointed out to you before that this, of course, being translated from the Greek, you see this, the second letter of this sentence here, the Word, Word, is actually from the Greek, and it is logos. In the first verse that I read, it said, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. In the beginning was the Logos, the Logos was with God, the Logos was God. This is incredible because what translates here word in the Greek could just as easily be translated because it means this, thought or idea. Your thinking and you become inseparable just as God's thoughts and who God is are indivisible, your thoughts cannot be divided from your person. But what is impacting about this is that as verse 14 says, just as God's thoughts became real and became his word, his word became his world, your thoughts will become real and manifest themselves too. That's the power of thought. I've often said that one idea can change your whole world. You don't believe that? Just look around at our world's history and you will see Alexander Graham Bell had one idea. Thomas Edison had an idea. One idea can change the world you live in, but a bad idea and wrong thoughts can change your world in a way that is negative. I'm fascinated by this subject how many of you have heard of the emotive EEG technology? Anybody heard of emotive EEG? You're going to hear a lot about it next year. I want to explain what it is. Tan Lee is a Vietnamese immigrant. She and her family uh, immigrated out of Vietnam at the, I guess, near the end of the Vietnamese War. She is the CEO of a company in California, and um, they have developed an amazing technology. I keep telling you, and science keeps telling us, that our thoughts are powerful. But we actually have had no idea how powerful they are. The emotive EEG, if you know anything about EEGs, let me first explain. These are devices, if you ever, for example, have headaches that don't go away, they, the doctor may order an EEG. And you have a stroke, or God forbid, any of these kind of things, they may order an EEG. Um, and um, Dr. Wilson can tell us what all that means, electro, whatever, whatever. But hey, man, the bottom line is it reads your brain waves. As your brain is active, it creates signals. And uh, they put this, uh, as it were, they read this with the help of, and assistance of computerized programs. They can tell if you have a brain tumor. They can tell if there's something going on, locate perhaps, uh, help, it helps them locate perhaps pathologies in your brain, things that that they might need to correct. And um, this is what is amazing about this. The next wave of video games is not going to be with PlayStation 4 or Wii. 
It's going to be a little emotive EEG headset they've already developed that actually goes on the market next year that only costs a couple of hundred dollars. It reads your brain waves, and are you ready for this? You can literally move objects with your mind. It's shocking. The videos are already out there. And it's at, for example, a handicapped person can type using this, just thinking the, the thoughts and make typing appear on a screen. Not only that, they can operate their motorized wheelchair by the thoughts they think. They actually have videos of people steering the steering mechanisms of their car with their thoughts. The University of of Minnesota in a highly publicized and exciting project has even successfully developed a toy quadcopter. It's a helicopter with four blades that can be flown and controlled by your thinking. You put this thing on, this thing sends a Bluetooth signal that interfaces with your computer that directs through your thoughts the flying of a, a helicopter. And what is it? I mean, they're, they're getting this thing to the point that it is scary. I mean, it is so fascinating. They actually flew this helicopter through an obstacle course of balloons without even hitting a balloon. Uh, that, that's, how, that's how amazing it is. It's being used, as I said, to steer cars and direct robots. Uh, they use it to turn lights. You walk into your house and think, and the lights go off or on or whatever, your alarm, uh, your microwave, your TV, chains. Listen to this, those of you that fight over the uh, remote control. You can sit there and change the, the channels with your thoughts. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, Star Trek somewhere 200 years into the future. This goes on sale next year. Your thoughts literally can control movements. This is incredibly powerful, and um, I want to just play just a, a, a real quick clip because some of you are thinking that I'm making this up. Just put this up there, that clip, if you would. This is, this is Tan Lee. It's not the whole clip. The Emotive Insight is a five-channel so portable wearable device that allows you to capture and understand what's going on in your brain in real time. With the Emotive Insight, you can optimize your cognitive performance, you can measure and monitor your own or your family's mental health and fitness, and you can develop amazing new applications with the technology. We're pioneers in this field. We've listened to our user base and we've redesigned the product from the ground up. We're now reaching out to our community to help make this a reality. The Emotive Epoch, our first generation device, has been adopted and used in more than 100 countries worldwide across a broad spectrum of different application areas. Everything from being able to allow a child to create a 3D monster just with the fantasy of his or her mind, or allow people to create music just with the power of their thought, or to allow a patient to be rehabilitated by being able to control an electric wheelchair, or allow them to experience the ability to type or to communicate again. There have been so many amazing application areas and uses that have been transformative and life-changing. <laughs> For anyone who loves the Epoch, you'll love this product even more because we feel like we've taken not just one generational leap, but we've taken many generational leaps. We've looked at the sensor technology, we've looked at the electronics design, we've looked at the wireless communication protocol, we've looked at the overall mechanical design, we've looked at the form factor, 
How do we make it more affordable? How do we make it much more skeletal, much lighter weight, much easier to wear? We're really excited to offer an API and SDK to developers and researchers wanting access to the raw EEG data or to the detection algorithms to make it possible for anyone to take this innovation and create amazing new applications with the technology. The Emotive Insight is slated to be released that's, that's in 2014. Okay, Robert, go back and look at those notes. We played more of that than I really intended to, but I wanted you to see... This is one of the promotional videos. If you want to see uh, what it's really all about, you, the, actually, the Internet is, is absolutely full of this right now. I'm in my notes, I'm going to literally send out some of the, um, the web locations, for example, for TED Talks. Are any of you familiar with TED Talks? Y'all know what those are? TED, T-E-D. What that stands for is Technology, Entertainment, and Design. These are cutting-edge developments. If you're wondering where I'm getting some of this stuff that I'm showing you, that's where it's coming from. They have the... The, the greatest minds and scientists in the world come together regularly and they give like 18 to 20 minute long speeches that tell you what is being developed in their laboratories right now. It will boggle your imagination. This one comes out next year. Forget your PlayStation 4 and your Wii. You will create your own characters on the screen with your mind and then move them around and play your own games. Now this is only the beginning. The applications here are... They haven't even started to scratch the surface. And what to me is exciting about this is, is again, what the Bible has been saying all along. is a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That your thoughts literally create your world. Like God, when you think, what you think becomes a reality. Now, of course, some of you, your minds are going the other way, and I've already thought that too. This also creates an enormous potential for bad things to be done, like we're going to have thought police now, you know, monitoring all of our thinking. And they actually, literally, have already developed a, a miniature motorized spy cam that flies around just directed by thoughts. So it does have military applications and defense applications and applications we don't even want to go into. But I will tell you this that our world tomorrow is going to be largely impacted and created by the thoughts the individual members of society are thinking. And if that is not a reflection of what God has been trying to get us to understand all along, I don't know what is. Listen to this. In Philippians 4 and 8, summing it all up, friends... I'd say you'd do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise and not things to curse. Amen. This was Paul's advice 1,900 years ago, that we need to think things that are good and beautiful and Back then, unless he had some divine insight by revelation that was given to him by God and from God, he probably never realized the creative processes of our own thinking. Now there's all kind of technology out there that's being developed to, to demonstrate this. And you might ask, why is God concerned that we think wholesome and positive thoughts? Why? Because after all, you know, you're, you're not seeing my thoughts I mean, you, you see me, but you don't know what's going on up here. 
And this is what God, I think, is trying to get us to understand that sooner or later what goes on from this ear to this ear is going to be manifest. Remember Jesus said that it's not what goes into the man that defiles him, but it's what comes out of the man. Whatever's in here is going to sooner or later work its way to the surface. And this is the power of the transformation of the Holy Spirit. Because every one of us in life have been through some negative positions, places, experiences, things, circumstances we don't want to go through. And if we're not careful, these things will position us to begin to think negative thoughts. And if after seeing this, you don't believe your thoughts can influence your world, I really don't know how to make that any more plain to you. God is concerned and wants us to think positive thoughts because he knows the creative ability in our thought processes. He made us. Amen. And through an uncontrolled thought life, we create the conditions for illness. We make ourselves sick, literally. Research now shows that fear all on its own triggers, triggers more than 1,400 known physical and chemical responses and activates more than 30 hormones in your body. Many of those dangerous. Amen. They're compelling reasons, physical reasons, health reasons, both physical health and mental, to control our thoughts and not allow our thinking to become toxic. Toxic thinking actually has been proven to cause the following illnesses. This is now uncontested. Diabetes, cancer, asthma, skin problems, and allergies, just to name a few are created and greatly exacerbated even by negative thinking. This is why the Bible tells us that if we're going to live the elevated life, that we have to sum it all up just by remembering this. And by sum it all up, do you know what it means, sum it all up? I mean sum everything up that we've been through. Some all, but you, you know, I'm making an exception. You have to make an exception for me, Pastor. You don't know what I've been through. Sum it all up. No matter what you've been through, sum it up and come to this conclusion. You'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are, well, beautiful and good. King James Version, I like its translation as well. Amen. And so this becomes critical. We need to consciously control our thought life and for our own good to detox our brain. Why do we need to detox our thinking? It's simply because all this stuff builds up and we probably don't even realize that it's happening. Thoughts also become habits. Did you know that? Most of us, habits are like, you know, the guy with the, the tick, you know, he does this when he's talking. It's a, a habit that he has to learn to break for himself. Or a habit may be like somebody drumming their fingers when they're sitting down on a table. Any number of habits some habits are good, some are bad. Amen. Muscles have memory. If you want to really be good at anything, if you're an athlete, you learn to develop muscle memory. You've got to do it so many times until you don't even think about it. It goes back to this whole 10,000 hours thing. And now uh, Macklemore, one of the uh, rap artists, has even written a song about this 10,000 hours thing. And, and it really is true. Give 10,000 hours of your life to something, muscle memory begins to take over. And the next thing you know, you get good at it. Anybody can get good at it. You can get good at playing a piano if you have 10,000 hours to put into it. 
might not do diddly for the first thousand hours, first 2,000, but stay at it. Most of us don't want to pay that kind of price in terms of commitment, but muscle memory is an important part of the process of becoming good at something. You know, literally, your fingers moving in certain ways on a keyboard can become a habit. There are other habits you can develop too, not just physical, not just with, with, with playing tennis, not just with, with playing music. You can develop habits of thought. You can get into a rut and not even know that you're there. Did you know that? How many of you have ever developed any kind of a mental habit, thought process that you later were made aware of and wished that you hadn't done it and struggled to break it? I can tell you this. If you've ever studied the cycle of depression, depression is the result of thinking negative things over and over and over again. It does start usually with a depressing event, but everybody's going to go through them. So the thing is here, are you going to walk through it yourself? Are you going to learn to face the challenges of life through the instruction of the Holy Spirit? Because if you're not careful, what happens is these things will become habits of thought. And just like drumming your hands or picking your fingernails or that nervous little tick, you know, you find yourself thinking the same thought over and over. And that becomes, as it were, very negative and debilitating to you. There is literally no difference in the brain of a person who is negative and one who is happy. Whenever they dissect the brains of people in postmortems, you can't tell from looking at the brain. Put the slides under a microscope. There's literally no difference in one who is positive or negative, one who's sad or one who's happy. Over the years, people thought, you know, their brains, you know, might differ because this one has a different, you know, this one's outlook is so negative. No, they've discovered that usually the brains are, you can't tell one from the other. You know, you, if you, you've got them mixed up inside of a mortuary somewhere, even the, the pathologist, uh, the, the mort, he wouldn't even be able to uh, tell the difference. Um, the mort, mortuary attendant wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Amen. And over the years, though their brains are the same, they're used differently. This is the reason. We use our brains in a different way. Stay with me because I've, I'm going to show you something about Jacob. And that's because your brain produces certain chemicals that cause neurological. Now, this don't mean anything to you, but remember it because it's important. When you're thinking certain thoughts, if they're good, your brain produces certain chemicals. They produce neurological pathways in your brain. Ah, but let's say we're not thinking something good. We're thinking negative thoughts. Different chemicals are produced that produce different neurological pathways. You're using your brains differently. These chemicals and hormones create, as it were, the neural wiring for thoughts to occur. You're laying down the wiring that your thinking is going to follow. You weren't born hardwired to think negative thoughts. You were born a child of God, but you were born in a fallen world. And how you face and confront the issues of that fallen world and the way you process that is going to largely determine whether you're happy or sad later on in your life. You weren't born hardwired to think negative thoughts, but if you think them enough, they create the wiring 
through these neurological pathways that are laid down that your brain uses in its thinking process. And this can make changing your thoughts very difficult. Now, I'm going to make a confession to you that most of you never knew. I struggled with severe, deep, bottomless depression as a teenager and as a young child. And growing up in the circumstances that I grew up in, I now understand what was going on. Okay, I had a lot to deal with and too young and innocent of a mind to be able to process it. And you start thinking all of this stuff through at that age. And to begin with, do you know that until you're about seven years old, that everything that happens to a child, he interprets through the lens of what did I do to deserve this? He's extremely egocentric in his, in his thought processes. Amen. What did I do to, to deserve it? And that's why, for example, if there's a divorce and small children are involved, you know, the child may go to daddy and say, daddy, I'll be good. It wasn't about the child. It was about mom and dad. But they always interpret things through the lenses of their own worthiness, who they are. Their identity becomes involved. Amen. And so I struggle with that. When I got married and got saved, boy, did I have some dark days during those years. I had resorted to a lot of stuff, just like a lot of people do today, to mood alter my pain. That's why when I speak to you about people with addictive problems, I know what that's like. Been there, done that, didn't work. And I was, all that fun I was having, I woke up one day and said, I'm killing myself. Literally, I woke up one day and said, if this is life, I'm killing myself. What fun is this? Now, come on, just so that I'm not out here on the limb by myself. Don't leave me hanging. Anybody else go through something? Oh, yeah. Amen. And therein lies the amazing grace of God. God saved me, but if you think my thinking changed overnight, I've got another thought for you. I've got news. It didn't. I had to begin to use, I used this scripture. This was my lifeline. This verse became my rope of thrown to me, buoy as it were, to pull me in from the dark waters in which I was about to go under. This verse, whatsoever things are pure, lovely. Back then there wasn't even a message translation by Eugene Peterson. But I saw that. I found that. Nobody pointed it out to me. I saw that. And it seemed like God said, this is the instruction for your life. Now I want to tell you, that that was hard. The hardest thing I've ever done, amen, was to apply this verse to my life and change the way that I was thinking. And I'm going to tell you that when I tried, it didn't always stay on track the way I wanted it to either. Because when something difficult happened, I learned from experience, you recividate. You fall off track. You go back to the old well-worn, well-trodden paths the well-established neurological pathways. If you have never been through what I'm talking about today, don't look there smugly with pride askance at those who are around you. Just consider yourself blessed and say, thank you that I never had to walk through that. Amen. Just thank God you never had to face it. Because I'm telling you, a bad event come along and knock you right back into the same hole again. And you got to struggle and climb out of that and... You get back on your feet and, and you're going for a little while and something else happens and knocks you back. And, but what happens is one day you find out you didn't fall as deep as you used to fall. 
Amen. And the bottom is coming up now. You're raising the bottom a little bit. Hello, you understand what I'm saying? Last week I talked with you about Jacob. And I want to apply this from the perspective of Jacob's life. I shared with you that even whenever God changed his name and elevated him, man, if there ever was a guy that was elevated in the Bible, it was Jacob. Jacob. He was not even supposed to be where he was at. It should have been the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau, according to their tradition and according to their practice. That's what it should have been like. And and to get the position, you know, like I told you last week, you know, Jacob, whose name meant heel grabber, he came out second, second place. How did you like, how'd you like to be named second place trying to catch up all your life? Little heel grabber, you, you know, reaching out, uh-uh, you're too late. Your brother was already there. All of this stuff, his whole life, every time he was, his name was called, this is reinforcing his identity. Amen. And he grows up this way and becomes later on one of the great patriarchs of the nation of Israel. I want to tell you, were it not for the grace of God, he never would have reached that lofty and elevated status. And I have to tell you, you don't get elevation because of who you are. You are elevated because of who he is and the price he has paid. Amen. Amen. So let's just get this whole deserving thing out of the way. You don't deserve it, neither do I. Amen. None of us deserve to be blessed, neither did Jacob. Look, to begin with, he got the birthright by stealing it from his brother, deceived his daddy to get the blessing. And still God honored him. But Jacob had to live with who he knew he was. Jacob's problem was that he was a man who struggled with negative thoughts. He struggled with them. When you study his life, that's the inevitable conclusion. He dealt with negativity. When I read his story, as I said in the Bible, I think I'm reading the story of perhaps one of the most extraordinarily blessed men of the entire Old Testament era. Amen. Think about it. As I told you last week, all of the things that happened in his life. Even one of his sons becomes second in command of the greatest empire that existed in the ancient world. Twelve sons. Not even his dad's, his grandfather, his father had that kind of, of, of progeny. He, n- none of them did. Twelve sons. He literally starts a nation. He encounters God. God meets him, changes his name, blesses him supernaturally, gives him the birthright, honors the fact even though he stole the birthright from his brother. Gives him the blessing even though he deceived his own daddy to get it. God, I look at that. As I told you, God understood the circumstances. Clearly, Isaac favored Esau and thought Jacob was inferior. On the other hand, Rebekah pitied Jacob. And I want to say it again, never raise a child and make that child feel Pitied. You do, you're condemning that child to a hell for a future. An agony of life on this planet while he's still alive. Neither should we ever show favoritism. If there's favoritism shown in any way, it's you ought to struggle to make every child you have feel they are your favorite. Amen. Can I hear somebody say amen? amen. This insecure young man, Jacob, grew up, and this is his problem. He believed what his father believed about him. Those thoughts went to work in his mind. Daddy believed he's Jacob, the heel grabber, came in second, the little thief, you little thief, you. 
This is how he grew up. Now, while that might be funny to us, wasn't it all funny to him? Sticks and stones may break my bones. Words never hurt me. There's a, a lie that came straight from the pit of hell. Words hurt you more than sticks and stones hurt you. Bones can be mended again. Broken spirits sometimes never get healed. Amen. There is no prothesis for an amputated spirit. A broken heart sometimes cannot never be cured. And listen, Jacob accepted his father's assessment of who he was. We all do. Every one of us. We believe the authority figures in our lives. And when we are shown love and acceptance, we believe we're somebody with an identity that's worth having. But whenever that person that is the authority figure in our lives has their own issues and is angry or deals with, oh Lord, dare I say it, substance abuse or arrogance or any of those other things that go on, do you know what happens? The child raised in that kind of an environment, its identity is crippled and it believes what daddy and mama believe about him. If they treat you with pity, you believe you deserve pity. Amen. They treat you like your second best. They believe it. Amen. And Jacob, are you ready for this? Lived down to his father's expectations. Why did he steal a birthright? Why did he deceive his own daddy? He was living down to his father's expectations of him. We have to be really careful lest we do that. I know people that have lived their whole lives living down to what other people thought about them. And yet they were a gold mine of potential. Ultimately his acceptance of who his father thought he was and his subconscious efforts to live down to his father's expectations of him expressed itself even in his relationship with his ultimate authority figure, his heavenly father. And I can tell you having been there and done that, when you don't think you measure up in daddy's eyes, you don't think you measure up in daddy's eyes. Hello, somebody. He spent a lifetime running from God. I've read his story, I don't even know how many hundreds of times. And I went back this week through the Bible just to research how many times Jacob went and sought God. And you know what I was surprised to find? It was always God seeking Jacob. He was not David looking for God. It was God looking for Jacob. You find others in the Bible, they made it a point to pursue God. David was a man after God's own heart, not Jacob. Jacob was running the other way. It was always God looking for him. Amen. And all the many times that God met and spoke with Jacob. Did you know that God initiated nearly every one of these encounters and came to Jacob every single time except for two. And the two occasions whenever Jacob came to God on his own had to do with his fears, his thoughts. Genesis 32, verse number 9, when he was literally terrified because he was about to meet Esau, he went to God to ask for help. And then after he met with Esau, and you can read that, Genesis 32, 9 through 11. Oh, God of my father Abraham, God of my, uh, of, of my father Isaac, Lord, 
You who said to me, go back to your country, your relatives, I will make you prosperous. What's this? I am unworthy. There's that word. Unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown me. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I've become two camps. What's this? Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me. Why was he afraid? Because he did his brother wrong all these years, 22 years before. That's why. Amen. And after God miraculously spares him, the second time that Jacob seeks God, he builds an altar to thank God for having spared him from this encounter with Jacob. I want to point something else out to you. You may have thought of Jacob as a God seeker. To me, Jacob was a guy running from God. Watch this. We even talk about, what about the occasion when Jacob wrestled with God? I am firmly convinced that most people don't even read that correctly. We think Jacob went looking for God to wrestle with him. That's not what my Bible says. Read it in Genesis 32 and verse 24. It says, so Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him. Now, I don't know what that means to you, but if I wrestle with somebody else, that's not the same as them initiating it and wrestling with me. Hello, come on, help me out here. Well, let's break it down. You shoot somebody, that's one thing. They shoot you. You got it now? See the difference? Okay, let's do it another way. Give the person next to you $20 right now, okay? You say, wait, I can't. Okay, then let the person next to you give you $20. Oh, you see the difference now. (laughs) Jacob didn't wrestle with God. God wrestled with Jacob. Amen. Literally, it wasn't until God broke Jacob down and stripped away his veneer of self-sufficiency which was a defense mechanism. And it would be good for us to understand people around us. We see people that seem to have a certain degree of arrogance or pride or smugness. And we sometimes don't like people like that because we think they think they're better than us. No, we don't even understand what's going on. That's not what they're thinking. They're acting that way because they want you to believe in them. They don't feel quite up to the standards you're at. That's why they act that way. And God stripped Jacob's veneer of self-sufficiency away and touched his thigh so that his hip came out of socket and Jacob couldn't stand anymore. And let me tell you what often has to happen before we change our thinking. It gets us into such a mess that we hit rock bottom. Amen. One day we wake up and say, I can't live like this anymore. And you know what we usually do? We usually blame everybody. But the one who really needs to do the changing, yeah, we do. We blame our husband, our wife, our children, the job, the boss. Amen. Everybody except us when it's not my brother nor my sister, but it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. Amen. Jacob, finally stripped down and broken, begins to then wrestle with God. He didn't start out wrestling with God. The man started wrestling with him. And don't be fooled by the use of this term man. Remember, man here is referring to a theophany as we read later. That is a physical manifestation of God in the Old Testament before he created the body of Jesus in the new. We find out that man was the Lord. Amen. And the Lord is wrestling with Jacob. 
and finally touches Jacob and puts his sock out, his hip out of socket rather. You say, why was he wrestling with Jacob? I personally believe in the same way that God wrestles with all of us to get us to accept who we are, to our identity. Amen. I think that that is a, a picture, as it were, or a metaphor for how God and his grace are always calling us on. Amen. Not willing to allow us to be less than who he has called us to be. Just turn to your neighbor and say, God wants you to live the elevated life. And finally, broken Jacob begins to get a hold of God. Amen. One, God has a hold of him. Now his hip is out of socket, and he has to get a hold of God. Look, he could have done this from the beginning. And what I want you to understand is why do we put ourselves in positions where God has to, oh, Lord. Bring us or let us get to that place. All I can say is thank you because even when we don't get there ourselves, you still see that we get there. Because you love us too much to leave us. You're not hearing what I'm saying. God, you love us too much to just leave us and let us be less than who we're supposed to be. Tell somebody God's grace is at work in your life. Amen. Thank God. Amen. Thank God. And finally, in verse 32, verse 24, the B clause, Jacob says, I will not let you go until you bless me. And this is what is amazing, what I'm trying to communicate through this whole process. Wait a minute. I won't let you go till you bless me? I thought God had blessed him 22 years before. At least that's what my Bible says in Genesis 28, 13 through 15. When he's running from his brother, there above it stood the Lord. He's sleeping on a pile of stones and he sees a ladder, literally the stairway, okay, Led Zeppelin, to heaven, amen. And angels going up and down the ladder, amen, going with their assignments to bless man, returning to heaven carrying the prayers and the needs of God's people. And above it stood the Lord and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land and I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. He literally gives Jacob the Abrahamic blessing. And 22 years later, Jacob is wrestling to get what he already had. See, the problem here is when you don't think that you're deserving and worthy, it makes it hard for you. Are you ready to accept a gift? And this is about the gift of God, not works. Oh, I'm preaching better than somebody's responding right now. Amen. And this is exactly the, the struggle that Jacob had. I'm, I'm closing. There are many types of toxic thoughts that can keep you from walking in and recognizing the blessing that God himself has declared over your life. God himself declared this blessing. Laban changed Jacob's wages 10 times. He still stands before Pharaoh and says, few and evil have been the days of my life. 
God changes his name to Israel, which means prince, and says you have favor with God and man. He still stands before Pharaoh and says few and evil have been the days of my life. God gives him 12 sons. He still stands before Pharaoh. God gives him one of those sons that becomes second in command to the mightiest empire in the ancient world. He still stands before Pharaoh and says, few and evil have been the days of my life. You can be blessed so much like they used to say, oh, folk, years ago, you can walk home with a loaf of bread under each arm and still think you're not blessed. You can have so many blessings going on, you can't even count them. Oh, God, I feel the Holy Spirit in this place. Four kinds of negative thoughts or four kinds of toxic thoughts. Number one, negative thoughts. Number two, fearful thoughts. Number three, thoughts of discontentment. Number four, critical thoughts. Four kinds of toxic thinking that will poison your life. Negative thoughts. You hearing what I'm saying? Fearful thoughts. Thoughts of discontentment. Critical thoughts. I think I better pick this up when I come back. 